Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. You're listening to coverage of the 2021 Convention of the American Council of the Blind. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome everyone here to Blind Information Technology Specialist, also known as BITS. I am Erlene Hughes, President of Blind Information Technology Specialists. And before I go any further, I would like to give the opening CEU code. I will repeat the code twice. The opening CEU code is 39159. Repeating 39159. Are you getting the most from your hearing devices? Have you ever wondered if hearing aids would work with other technologies such as your iPhone? Well, we have a panel here today that are going to talk about those issues and hopefully answer some of your questions. Our panelists, Rosanna Baudry, Secretary, Blind Information Technology Specialist. Panelist Tom Jones, former president, Blind Information Technology Specialist. We have presenter Carol Hamer, audiologist. Helen Keller, National Center, Dance Point, New York, presenter Jacob Smith, hearing instrument dispenser, Oak Lawn, Illinois, and presenter Dr. Nancy Massia, audiologist, Alabama Department of Rehabilitation. And now I will turn it over to Rosanna, who will lead the discussion. Hi, good morning to all of the ACB community and to our panelists this morning. We called this presentation, Do You Hear What I Hear, as a question. And I present this question with you this morning because hearing aids is something that could help people both in their everyday lives and in their job. Sometimes we think we hear things and then we realize, hey, am I saying what? all the time. Maybe I'm not hearing correctly. Well, hearing aids is something that can really enhance our everyday lives. And we are lucky today to have three wonderful panelists who will share with us their information and technology with us. I'd like to open with this thought to our specialist, how hearing aid technology can enhance the lives of those who are deaf either in one ear or in both ears. That would be the first thought. And the second thought would be different types of hearing aids and their technology and how that technology can enhance what we do in our jobs and in our lives every day. So I'd like to turn this over right now to our three panelists that are with us today. Good morning. Jacob, if you want to start, that's fine. Sure. Go ahead. Um, good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob. Uh, good morning to everybody in the community. Good morning to my fellow panelists. I think that if there's anybody in this audience who is contemplating 
whether or not they want to add more technology into their life in the form of hearing aids. I want to strongly encourage you to go get tested uh, and that there are many places that are going to be able to test you um, and that there shouldn't be much cost involved in testing either. But there's a lot of wonderful technology in the form of hearing aids to help people hear better. And I don't want anybody to become overwhelmed with the concept of adding more technology into their lives and focus more on just whether or not they have a need and getting that need assessed. So I would just uh, I would probably start our technology conversation by encouraging people to not be too concerned about adding additional technology, be more concerned about how their hearing is. So that's my that's my opening salvo. This is Carol. First of all, I'm so happy to be here, be part of this panel. Thank you for inviting the three of us. And I, I do hope that you all learn that adding hearing aids into your life or adding whatever assistive listening device into your life, at first it may seem cumbersome, but I want to tell you that so often you don't realize that you even need the devices. So as Rosanna was saying, you know, you have to think about, am I missing conversation? Are people telling me I keep asking them to repeat themselves? Don't be afraid to investigate hearing aids. I always think the most important thing I can do is educate people. And so I'm educating you that you should educate yourselves about what type of hearing specialists are available in your community that you can work with because it will enhance your life. And you may not even realize that you're struggling now if you have a, a sore toe and you're limping, you know, you realize that and you do something about it. But with communication and, and with hearing, we don't seem to treat it the same as we do vision loss or other issues that we may face. So I, I do encourage you to get educated and seek assistance. Dr. Nancy, do you want to add to that? Yes, yes. Good morning. And Good morning. thank you. Thank you, everyone, for inviting us to this presentation today. Yes, definitely. Just to follow up on the comments of Jacob and Carol, as all of you know, when you have low vision or when you're blind, you depend so much on your other senses to give you information about the world and to stay connected, especially with other people. And therefore, your hearing becomes so important to you. I know many people that I work with who have blindness or low vision are afraid. You know, they, they are, may be struggling with some of their low vision blindness issues, and they're afraid of really exploring, am I having a hearing problem? You know, they, it's just another difficult thing they may have to approach. But hearing is so important to communicate and connect with other people. And there is so much help available. There are many different types of devices. They range in affordability. I know most people 
have the concept that hearing aids are so expensive, but there are more affordable options now. And it is very important to get tested and see where you're at because hearing loss is so common. As we get older, we all have hearing loss. It's, it is a natural part of the aging process, but if you have other medical conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, thyroid problems, many of these conditions can affect circulation, which also can cause nerve damage and hearing loss too. So it's important to know if you have any loss of hearing. Um, if, If other people around you are commenting that you're missing things or misunderstanding what is going on, then it is important to pursue it. Don't wait because the longer you wait, the harder it may be to get help and and to try to deal with those problems effectively. Even if you have a hearing loss in just one ear, using a hearing aid or other types of technology or techniques can be so helpful to you um, just to function better in the environment, know where sounds are coming from, and to communicate with others. And there are many different types of hearing aids You know, most of the time um, when you find out about your hearing loss, there will probably be hearing aids that are better for your hearing loss than others. You know, just because a friend or someone else may be using a certain type of hearing aid, that may not be the best one for you. You know, there are many types of hearing aids that are suited for some types of hearing losses and degrees of hearing losses more than others. So it is very important to find out the level of your hearing, find out if if your hearing could get worse, and then what types of technology is, is available to you. I guess I've rambled on long enough, so <laughs> I'll let someone else ask the question. No, not at all. This is Carol. And I, I think that was great, Nancy. And and I'm so glad that you brought up hearing loss in one ear, which is also known as single-sided deafness. And I just want to make the audience aware that very often in school children, that's overlooked. And it's thought that if the child has one ear functioning fine, that's sufficient, but that is not the case. And so if if a child is involved especially, please have them evaluated because that lack of hearing in one ear impacts them socially, emotionally, educationally, and will impact them throughout their lives unless it's addressed. So regarding that that issue of hearing loss in one ear and the other ear being fine, it's still an issue, especially for individuals who are low vision or blind. And like Nancy said, it's not the same solution for each person when I work with consumers at Helen Keller. I'm looking at each person as an individual, and I want to understand 
their background, where they're coming from. I want to understand what their technology needs are. And I also want to be able to help them incorporate into their daily lives any equipment that they might get. I know that with low vision, there might be many devices that you're using. But with hearing aids, it is different. It's just the hearing aids and perhaps a couple of accessories. But with low vision devices, you might have handheld devices, you might have desktop devices, you might have medical filters for glare indoors and outdoors. And I know it feels overwhelming at times, but incorporating this into yourself will ultimately help you. Yes, and I just want to jump in, Carol, all of those such excellent points that, you know, there are so many options available for everyone. So it it is important to advocate for yourself and look forward and use hearing aids if you need them. There'll be so much less stress in your life if you can hear a little bit better. And your brain also gets so much more information that can help you stay connected with the world around you and with others. I can tell you a little story. I recently had a person I worked with who was blind and was working as a transcriptionist and was making a lot of little errors, getting people's names wrong or substituting words. And someone said to her, you know, have you had your hearing checked? You know, maybe there's some sounds or words you're not hearing. And she was like, oh, no, I'm fine. It's just the way the um, recording is just not clear. And then someone, a family member said to this person, you really should get it checked out because we've noticed the same thing in conversation. You sometimes misunderstand what is said. So she had her hearing tested and she did have a mild to moderate hearing loss, which is very much like if you need glasses to drive, but you can still see around you. Just things are not totally clear. And, you know, she was missing a lot of information. So we fit her with hearing aids. And then we also got her a device to work with her computer so that her transcriptions were going right to the hearing aid. And she did so much better. She could not believe the change in her life, how she could even not only do her job better, but hear her family members and know just much more about what's going on. So even just a mild hearing loss can have a significant impact on how you function and can make such a huge difference. Dr. Nancy, I thought that was an amazing story. I'm really thankful that you shared that with us. One of the things that you talked about when you were opening that story was how hearing aids can also be providing additional information to the brain. One of the things that we know about, most of the research comes out of Johns Hopkins and Dr. Lynn, but auditory deprivation. So those of you out there who are treating your hearing loss, I want to validate you because you're helping your brain stay healthier. And then for those of you who are contemplating whether you need to, certainly there's the questions of, uh, you know, are you asking others to repeat? Uh, Is there issues of misunderstanding, Uh, like in Dr. Nancy's example? But also know that you may not be providing uh, the type of stimulation that your brain uh, is craving. And uh, I have a story as well. I want to pivot and talk more about technology. 
Tom, feel free to jump in on this one. But uh, uh, one of the patients that I work with who's on this panel, uh, we're able to connect remotely and use some very good, if low-tech technology, so that Tom can show me things on his hearing aid involving any particular issue regarding cleaning or maintenance or just something he wants to show me. And from my clinic, he has it set up with a, with a very unique device that lets me see very easily what he is holding underneath the camera. And I'm able to see it and verbally give him directions so that I can essentially uh, help him clean and check his hearing aids uh, remotely. It's been pretty fantastic. What do you think, Tom? I couldn't agree with you more on that. And the concept of, of actually working with Jacob with this, if you have a, an, an, a device that will help you suspend the camera about 18 to 20 inches uh, above a table that you're working with, you can get out a little uh, a Petri dish or bowl or uh, something, a little <laughs> plate or something like that, where you can take things apart and put them in a place where you won't lose them and then uh, continue to like one of the things we work with was changing wax traps and uh, wax guards and, and stuff like that and to take the dome off uh, and do the wax chat change is really uh, it's something that in my case i require someone to actually assist in making sure that i got the old filter off the hearing aid and get the new filter back on the hearing aid. So um, these are these are things that really do help. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to take a trip to the uh, hearing specialist, audiologist, your, your hearing doctor, whatever. But um, you can actually do it remotely. That is totally awesome. Thank you, Viola. I appreciate it. Just want to go back to what Tom was saying also about that uh, the idea of being able to do something remotely is very interesting. I'd like to ask this question, though, um, in terms of people who are deafblind, learning the skills to be able to manage your hearing aid, is that something that takes more work, time um, in, you know, with people who are deafblind? There is a lot more involved, I would think, because it, once they get their hearing aid, they're going to have to rely a little bit more on their hearing than they will on their sight. So how do you work on the balance between the hearing loss and blindness? This is Carol. I've been at Helen Keller National Center since 2002. And in that time, I have met a variety of people as varied as you would meet in your everyday lives. And so each person who I encounter is very unique. And as I said before, their background, their experience, all of those things are going to come into play. And at Helen Keller, we have it consumers from across the country because we have a residential program and hopefully it will open again in a few months. So each consumer who comes in, they may have no experience with hearing aids or they may have a lot of experience with hearing aids. Even those who might have a lot of experience may not know all of the ins and outs because 
many times in the real world, world. audiologists and hearing instrument specialists don't have the luxury of time to work with the individual at the pace that they need. And so since it's a residential program for some of our students, I get the luxury of working with them each week, sometimes several times a week, sometimes just once a week, to make sure that they are able to handle the hearing aids. But not everybody is going to be as fortunate as Tom and be able to manipulate those hearing aids to the fine degree that Tom is explaining. And so for some people, it might just be having them be independent in putting the battery in, closing the door, and using the hearing aid. And then beyond that, they might not be able to troubleshoot. I try and teach them everything that they can do themselves and they should have a battery tester. And unfortunately, not all battery testers are accessible and the ones that vibrate are quite expensive. But there are ways that I at least instruct the individual in what needs to be done so that they can instruct somebody else. I just want them to be aware of all that's involved, knowing that some of it they will be independent doing, and some of that, those tasks require the help of another individual. And that's fine because we're all interdependent. We need one another for different things at different times, but it does take more time. And in terms of programming hearing aids, that can also take more time because sometimes for individuals who are are using their hearing and able to cross the street independently, they might need a separate program so that more of the background noise comes in. And I've actually, you know, been able to go out on mobility lessons with students so we can see what is it that they're hearing and not hearing. And so all of this time spent with someone just makes their experience using the hearing aids easier and richer. Dr. Nancy, would you like to add to that? Yes, yes. Uh, All those points Carol made were excellent. And I am also in a situation working with Alabama Department of Rehab where I can spend a lot of time with people. And the important thing is when you're going out to get a hearing aid, first have a comprehensive examination. I would recommend going to an ear doctor, an audiologist for the testing so you know exactly about the type and degree of hearing loss you have and maybe even understand some of the factors that may be contributing to the hearing loss. That's the first step. Then the next step is finding a provider who can work with you because you will need extra time and you will need someone who can sit and work with you to learn how to use the hearing aid and take care of it. Most people want to be as independent as possible. As Carol mentioned, we all need help you know, and, and assistance with things. 
And so if you can bring a family member with you, that's also very helpful. Plus, they learn in the process a little bit about your hearing loss, too, and, and can understand some of the challenges that you have with hearing. Because hearing loss is very similar to the vision loss many of you have in that you may have, you know, a little bit or a lot of hearing. So people will say, well, hey, you can hear and respond to things, but you just don't understand what's going on. But that's just related to your hearing loss, very much like when you have a vision loss and, and you can see, but things are blurry, but your range or scope of how much you can see may be very limited. And and hearing loss is similar to that. You know, you may just be picking up parts of words and may hear some sounds much better than others. So it is important to find somebody who can really spend the time, you know, to teach you how to take care of your hearing aids and also to educate you on your hearing loss and give you proper expectations for what hearing aids can do and what they can't do, just like many of the devices or glasses that you may use. You know, there are limitations into what you'll be able to do. And everybody also has different technology needs. Certainly, many of the hearing aids out there now, in fact, the majority, can be connected to a smartphone either to an iPhone or to an Android phone. Sometimes you might need an accessory, and and many of them are simple to use. There are also remote controls that can be used so that, you know, if you have difficulty manipulating controls on a hearing aid, you could use a remote to help you with that. Some people have enough vision where they could use apps to adjust a hearing aid, but the apps aren't that accessible, honestly, right now. I I think it's something the hearing aid companies will work on. You know, they're, they're all very competitive and they're all trying to come out with the best technology. Um, But, but some of these things, as you know, are a little bit harder to work on. So that will be coming, but I do have some people with a little bit of vision who are able to use the apps to adjust the volume on their hearing aids and whatnot. And the other great thing is there are many hearing aids now that are rechargeable. So that takes out the element of changing a battery and and struggling with that piece of it. I'm also finding with, with rechargeable hearing aids that there are less repairs on the hearing aid because the hearing aid is a little more sealed up and is not exposed as much to moisture and, and the elements and, and whatnot. So there are a lot of good technology options out there, but you want to find a provider who can really assess your needs and your abilities, help you find the hearing aid that's right for you, and will spend the time to help you learn all these things about it. You also want to try to find a provider, if you can, that is in your neighborhood so that you, if you have a problem, you can pursue that now in Alabama, that is a huge challenge because we are limited in the state with numbers of providers. And of course, transportation in Alabama for many blind and low vision individuals is a huge issue. So most people really want to try to find somebody in their community if they can to help them. So that that would be the first thing is to really 
ask other people about their experiences, find somebody who has a good reputation and who is close by if possible. Also just get a device that you can afford. You know, a Many people have heard that hearing aids can cost eight to ten thousand dollars, which which is true. But there are many hearing aids that are low cost that also can connect to iPhones and can provide good benefits. So really work with the provider also on on what you can afford. Because keep in mind that just like all your other devices. In about five years, you may have to upgrade to something new. So, you know, you don't want to, you know, break the bank on on something that's not going to last forever and that you'll probably have to upgrade at some point. So my final point here is talk to other people around you. There are many people who use hearing aids. You know, find out good providers that will spend time with you and go for it. You know, just it will really enrich your life when you can communicate and function a little bit more independently. That is so very true. Also, just to add to that, uh, if you are here in New York State, I don't know about Alabama or the other states, but here in New York State, if you have an open case with the Commission for the Blind and you are deafblind, um, your hearing aid may be covered by the Commission. Um, some insurance companies here in New York State will also provide some subsidy toward hearing aids. I know that's true here. Is that true in Alabama or in other states as well? In Alabama, um, through the Department of Rehab, if you have an open VR case, meaning if you're working or, or trying to work, then you are likely eligible for you know most of the cost or at least some of the cost for most people it's it's all of it for support with hearing aids and and other devices unfortunately in alabama medicaid does not cover hearing aids for adults after the age of 21 so there are limited benefits if if you're not working or if you're just receiving social security benefits so for those individuals, you know, finding a good provider where they can get a lower cost hearing aid is important. There are a couple of programs. Many of you may have heard of Here Now, which is no longer functioning since the pandemic. That was a program where you could obtain a hearing aid for $125 if you financially qualified. But there's a new program now called Help America Hear. And if you search helpamericahear.org, all over the nation, they have programs and providers you can go to. And their hearing aids are lower cost. They're good hearing aids, but it's on a sliding scale. So again, I think $125 if, if you're low income, but you, know, you're, you can get a hearing aid also with higher income. You just might pay a little bit more. So that is a good resource I just want to throw out there for people, if, if you are struggling with the cost and you have some income restraints, because it really is, is nationwide. Dr. Nancy, this is Jacob. Um, I had no idea that the Medicaid differences in state to state could vary that much. In Illinois, Medicaid has coverage for people who need hearing aids. So that's, hmm. it's just amazing what the, and just the, the varying differences from state to state. One thing that I just want to absolutely uh, share is that 
there's a lot of difference in insurance programs. And uh, I know that we're mainly talking about technology, but I do want to encourage people that you may want to contemplate contacting your insurance company early in this journey. Uh, You may be able to get some specific guidance (laughs) on people that are within your network, people that maybe you could have some coverage. I'll, I'll also just kind of caution the community that hearing coverage is very rare in insurance programs. So you may have a robust health insurance and you may have had a very positive experience with your insurance program. I would not encourage you to use that as an assumption that you will most definitely have some form of hearing coverage and to just encourage you to contact your insurance company as you begin this journey. It may save you some uh, frustrations down the road. Thank you. Jacob, what experience have you had with the battery-free, you know, the rechargeable hearing aids. Have you had success with them at this point yet? I know they're new. Rosanna, I actually, I get kind of excited about this. I hope people can hear the enthusiasm in my voice. Uh, The rechargeable hearing aids actually have had a little bit of a journey themselves. And I would say even within the past five years, there was a series that was awful, awful, Rosanna. And uh, we had lots of problems with them. And then they came out with a new version and the technology improved. And I was a late adopter to the latest iteration of hearing aid technology. But what changed my mind is actually my son wears a pair of hearing aids that use the new rechargeable technology. And also speaking of technology, thanks to COVID and quarantine, he's doing a tremendous amount of remote learning with school and he's streaming sound from his Apple devices, from his iPhone and his iPad to his hearing aids for hours and hours a day, sometimes for school, sometimes just for personal things, but they're also functioning completely as hearing aids during that entire time. And not once has he run out of a charge. And the manufacturer says that a six-hour charge should last 36 hours and that it's very difficult to overcharge your hearing aids. And I'm very thrilled to say that uh, his experience helped to actually convert me to being a full adopter of rechargeable technology. And uh, most hearing aids that I dispense these days are rechargeable using the latest iteration of rechargeable technology. So if there's anybody in the audience or community who had a negative experience with rechargeable hearing aids, uh, maybe five plus years ago, I want to I want to encourage them that that has changed and it's improved dramatically. Thank you. And the quality of the hearing is is okay with it as well. Um, my other panelists are welcome to chime in on this one, but I have I've noticed zero a difference between the sound quality of a rechargeable hearing aid versus a traditional battery operated one. I know that one of the concerns some patients have is that if they run out of a charge, you can't simply pop in a fresh battery and uh, be back in uh, business. But uh, because the chances that you will run out of a charge are so uncommon if uh, you manage it properly, it's not been as much of a concern in practice uh, as it has been uh, just people, you know, having various worries or concerns. What do my other panelists feel about uh, rechargeable technology versus batteries? I love it. Yes, this is Nancy. Definitely. Um, 
I'm using mostly rechargeable now, except for individuals who have more severe hearing loss. There are limited options right now if you have severe hearing loss. There is one hearing aid that's that's come out, um, but others will be following because, you know, everybody just it's better for the environment and just better for all the streaming and battery needs of the aid and everything that people want to do with their hearing aids to use rechargeable. The quality, there's no difference. You know, the technology is is the same in battery operated versus rechargeable. As I said, the only constraint right now is power for people who have more severe hearing loss, but that will be coming down the road. I do have some people who've worn hearing aids their whole lives and have always changed the battery and are just afraid of moving away from that control of, oh, my hearing aid's not working. Let me put a battery in. But I've had several people that I've moved into the rechargeable and and now they love it. It's just, you know, if you, everybody knows you got to plug your phone in every night. And I kind of ask them that, listen, do you charge your phone every night or do you run out of charge on your phone? And if they're good phone chargers, then they can definitely do the rechargeable. If you're the type of person that's always running around trying to plug things in because you forget, then maybe rechargeable isn't for you. But um, overall, it's it's really been a a great benefit and is helpful for so many people in that they don't have to buy or change batteries. If I can jump in for just a second, um, I will tell you that uh, if you put your hearing aids in the charger as you go to bed at night and let them charge overnight, you get up in the morning and you put them on, uh, I will tell you that I, I, I have the whole day at least and way into the night before I get close to a power outage. And I'll tell you, I I, can't, I will also add two things. Number one, the hearing aids that I have now with the particular charger and the hearing aids um, and the app that's involved, I can actually work the app as well. So to make a long story short, um, don't be afraid to look into hearing aids because, and especially, I also want to say, make sure that you check with a licensed hearing person, whether they be a hearing specialist, whether they be a audiologist, because if left to your own devices, you can inadvertently, if you buy something out of, oh, uh, a big box store and put it on, if you don't know how to set it, for maximums, you could do continual and and more damage to your hearing. And I, I think Jacob and maybe even Nancy and Carol will both uh, agree with us, but we'll see. Very good point. I'd like to just add one more question, and then I would like to open it up to Q&A for everybody. The one question that I have at this point before we move to Q&A is, what is the future of technology for hearing aids going forward? I know one of the things that I can do with mine, which I like, is that I can stream TV, which is awesome because now I could watch TV and actually hear it in my ears. But uh, what direction is hearing technology going in at this point? Any one of you could answer. This is Nancy. You know, one of the directions is actually with artificial intelligence, where There are several hearing aids out there now that the computers, little computers inside of the hearing aids, actually have been programmed 
with a lot of different situations that people are in with background noise. The biggest issue is with background noise, of course, and trying to hear and understand speech and noise. Mm-hmm. And when you have nerve damage, which most people with hearing loss have, it's, it's just very difficult to hear noise, just like it is to see in a darker room or see in the fog. You know, it's just very difficult when there's other noise around to try to focus in on what you want to hear. So the hearing aids actually have a lot of soundscapes programmed in to try to help the hearing aid filter out better noise around the individual so they can focus in on speech. And some of them, for example, have soundscapes for transportation, like when you're on a bus or for parties, restaurants. Now, I have to say that I've, I've had people try some of these hearing aids and, you know, they do well with them, but is it a magical cure that you can instantly hear speech and noise? No, but there does seem to be some improvement in sound quality. So, but, but that is now the direction that the hearing aids are going to be focusing in and going towards, you know, how can we improve hearing and noise and how can we try to get rid of noise when noise is such a challenge and it's, it's often very different, the type of noise that's out there depending on the situation. So I'll just let the other panelists add into that as well. This is Carol and You know, rather than talk about what the future is, I'd like to bring up that there is some really good technology that is seeming to be phased out with neck loops and direct audio input. And I know that for so many of my consumers, they preferred that old-fashioned technology to Bluetooth. And, you know, it's funny, Richard Branson just went to the edge of space and the ship that they used to come back, that they were on and that brought them back, that was an analog spaceship because sometimes the old technology really is just what the person needs. So I don't want us to forget that. And I don't want us to forget the importance of telecoils, uh, which can, you know, allow you to connect to places that have loop systems in use. And then you're able to access announcements in transit hubs and museums and many other facilities. That's a great point, Carol. Go ahead, Jacob. Do you want to add to that before we go to Q&A? Yeah, actually, I just really quickly want to kind of meld these two concepts, what's coming out in the future, where Dr. Nancy was talking about uh, new advancements in artificial intelligence and background noise reduction, and then what uh, Carol Hamer was saying regarding kind of old school and T-coils and neck loops. I, I think that one of the nice things about where we are right now is that there are hearing aids out right now that make adjustments on their own where you don't need necessarily to be 
constantly making adjustments to your hearing aids, touching the devices, the buttons themselves, or working through a phone or an app. But on the other hand, they also can be programmed with specific programs that represent your needs. So I have patients that wear hearing aids that adjust themselves, but we've also discussed specific places where the patient needs me to create a program or find a program within the hearing aid that they can just tap a button and uh, be able to participate in church or an academic setting or a lecture hall or maybe even some sort of vocational setting a little better. So one of the nice things about where we are right now is that there are some affordable hearing aids, I would say, between the range of two and $5,000 that offer uh, both the ability for a patient to manually change how they're hearing and simultaneously for the hearing aids to be making adjustments themselves, which is a, a great uh, a great change in the technology of hearing aids over the last 15 years. I just want to jump in and add, there's also a lot of great remote microphones out there now that people can use. They're very simple to use, and you can have other people wear them, whether it be in a classroom or just another person you're with in a restaurant, and they help you to hear the other person better. You can even take it and put it next to your television and stream to your hearing aids if, if you don't have a smart TV where you can use other types of technology with that. So that is another type of technology that's available too to help in many situations. And, and some of them are very affordable and, and lower cost as well. Thank you. I want to thank the three panelists today who have been so informative to each of us. I would like to ask Viola at this point, uh, our host, if there are any raised hands. Rick has been waiting a very long time. Okay, thank you. I'm using a Bluetooth now with my hearing aid, and it's and it's actually one of the new hearing aids um, that your panel was speaking of. It's a rechargeable without a battery. Now, the only problem that I am having is, besides my uh, blindness. And my fairly new hearing loss, because it is a new hearing loss, I also have slight CP. So I have a hard time doing the hand um, manipulation. You were talking about changing the guards and things like that. But when I came in, you were talking about something that kind of fascinated me where my audiologist can actually see my hearing aid and tell me how to do it. And I'm wondering whether I can do it independently that way. Tom, I was actually going to encourage you to chime in on this one. Yeah, because... I was going to just tell him. That, okay. Yes, I got your this... back, Tom. Let me know how I can help you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is uh, if you have a device that will help you suspend the camera over the the uh, table where you're going to work with. As I mentioned earlier, um, you can actually take the domes off and take the, uh, there's a tool that comes with a new, what they call filter, and you can use the tool to remove the old filter. And then uh, it, on the other side of that same tool, there is a filter uh, that you can uh, insert into the iPhone. Um, it can be done. It's something that I myself need 
to have somebody verify that, yes, in fact, I was successful. But once you learn how to do it, it's easy, it's, it, it's easier to do. It's just that the, the process needs to be verified. And that's the only reason that uh, I, I would have called Jacob and had him get on board with me and we can, we can work with it. It is possible. Thank you. Rita? Question about uh, for persons who are brand new to this journey, you know, just starting uh, to have some hearing issues. Have you had a lot of experience with Apple AirPods and the live listen feature and or FM systems that the person carries with them and, you know, does that external microphone uh, as just to try to see if it alleviates you know, or assist the person before they take this journey of the two to $8,000, you know, hearing aid. Sometimes the Apple devices will help uh, the person. Have you had uh, any experiences with this? We're talking, you know, a couple hundred dollars as opposed to a lot more. Yes, this is Nancy. I have had people just use the live listen on their iPhone, and that certainly can be helpful when you pair if if your hearing aid has bluetooth compatible to the iphone and you pair it there's a live listen feature where we'll actually use the microphone of your iphone and you can put the iphone near the person you're trying to talk to and it, it certainly is helpful is it as good as some of the remote microphones no but everybody's situation is different and certainly you can try that you know and most of the people i work with we try simpler solutions first before, you know, buying a lot of additional remote microphones and technology only because it's just an additional piece that people have to handle and it can be very overwhelming. So we do try to go in stages with that to see, you know, what will work for the individual. And then if, if they're still struggling or still have additional needs, um, then we can move forward with with some of the other remote microphones. And, and some of the remote microphones are better than others. Some eliminate background noise and, and some don't. But again, depending on the environment the person is functioning in, you know, they may not need the more sophisticated microphone. So certainly there is a lot of trial and error, just like there are with, you know, assistive vision devices. You know, you really have to try them and and see what works for you and try to go in a hierarchy with that. This is Carol. I couldn't uh, agree more, Nancy. We always want to try and limit what we're introducing, introduce only what's needed. But I do have to say, from my experience, there are better remote mics than using Listen Live through the air, you know, that through the iPhone. This is Jacob. I like Apple. I'm not, I'm not as much an Apple devotee as a lot of Apple people are, but I think that Apple has a lot of great interaction with hearing aids. As far as the Listen Live, this also reminds me of a conversation I have with people regarding amplifiers. There are devices out there that are only a couple hundred dollars, and they can be less or more, but they're not FDA-approved medical devices or hearing aids. They are amplifiers, and they may help some people. I think what I would want to caution the entire community and audience is that it has to start with testing so that 
we can really learn what your needs are. If you have a mix of normal and mild hearing loss and there's an amplifier that can help you, then that's what's right for you. And a a good person is going to help you find that. On the other hand, if you have a a more complex hearing loss and maybe you hear some frequencies better and some frequencies worse, maybe there's some differences in how your left ear performs versus your right. It's possible that you may need a consultation regarding a medical or a surgical option and that perhaps not an amplifier or hearing aid or any piece of technology is what you need. And I wouldn't rule out that in some cases uh, an ear cleaning is is an appropriate option. step. So again, I know that the cost and the technology can be intimidating, overwhelming. I know that we can speak to our friends and family and hear varying stories about people's successes and failures. Um, But I just strongly want to encourage you to start with testing. And I also, I don't want to scare anybody into this, but it may be that your hearing loss is actually uh, related to something that may be more serious than just hearing loss. And getting that addressed in looked into as soon as possible is crucial for your health. And I want to just encourage you to not be scared of technology or hearing aids or cost and instead just be concerned about why you're not hearing better and see if we can get that looked into for you. I'll second that emotion. This is Carol. Jacob, those were really such critical points you just brought up. Thank you. Linda. Hi, I have three questions and hopefully not more. I have, um, the new rechargeable hearing aids, the uh, Audibel uh, via Edge 2400, and uh, the Thrive app, which uh, the artificial intelligence, um, which I had my audiologist put my left ear. It doesn't always work, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, disconcerting. And I tried to adjust it while I was on the Zoom session. And when I tried to go back to one of the ACB things, it said something about an error. And I had to turn my phone off and back on again, go to my email and click on the link and yada, yada. So anyway, so the other thing is, um, you know, I think that the SASE community needs to be, there needs to be more uh, support other than the convention's great. I love your presentation. but. I tried to reach out to a couple people when I couldn't figure out what to do with the wax guards. Nobody Excuse even me, Linda, me do back. you have a question for the Excuse panelists? Me? Do you have a an exact question? We're we're running out of time here. Yeah, my Sorry. my exact question is um all right then, fine. One of them is um I, about the wax guards. Um if you don't if you have very very low vision, like I put I had I put a wax guard in and I didn't know that it didn't go in because I couldn't see it. So what would somebody do about that? This and, is Carol. And the last, the last thing is um, how to make the Thrive app more accessible because it's not like less wind noise, so forth. That's my questions. This is Carol. And in terms of the wax guards, what I do with my consumers is I work with them to see if it is possible. It is not possible for everybody to be able to change wax guards. It depends on the stability of your hands in addition to your vision. So somebody who has a significant tremor might not be able to do that. And that's okay. Your audiologist can do that for you. Regarding the inaccessibility of the app, 
there unfortunately is nothing we can do except make the hearing aid manufacturers aware that their apps are not always accessible. Thank you. Hi, my name is Nancy at Nancy Unger, and I have profound severe hearing loss. And I, I like it. I, I'm still a little baffled by this. I have a, B, a BTE behind the ear aids. I was told that my um, the in, ITEs, unless they're getting better, are not uh, compatible with someone with severe hearing loss. Thank <laughs> you. I just need to know what your opinion of uh, uh, ITEs versus BTEs. Thank you. Yes, this is Nancy, and for severe hearing loss, the behind-the-ear hearing aids are better. You know, they have more power and um, more features and better technology just because it's a larger instrument. You know, an in-the-ear instrument has very small components and just limited capacity, especially based on the size of the ear. So behind-the-ear hearing aid is, is better. Dr. Nancy, I agree with you. Nancy, it sounds like uh, you know you might have some interest in the in the in the ear, but another thing about the behind the ear option is that just the simple way that uh, how we understand sound works is that you're going to have a better chance of hearing speech better in a more complex environment with those BTE hearing aids. So in a case of severe to profound hearing loss, I would absolutely pick a large behind-the-ear hearing aid that's powerful, most likely with a custom mold for your ear as well. Ray? Good morning. I don't have a question. I just have a real quick comment. And that comment is, if cost is a factor for you as far as looking at um, you know technology the comments about it you know talking with your insurance and stuff are great and about medicaid are great too i'd also ask you to think about contacting your lions clubs the lions do work uh, do get and um, they work with uh, organizations that uh, recycle used hearing aids and so those might be an option for you Again, I would never, ever suggest that you do something like that unless, as Jacob said, you get tested and know what your needs are. But that is another option for you is uh, to working with Lions. And just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Ray. This Carol, that was good. very good. This is Lolly. And I feel like this could be a whole track. There's so much to talk about. So um, I just want to give a couple resources that might be helpful for folks and one other suggestion. One thing about remote is that when you're doing um, an adjustment, sometimes it's if you can connect remotely, great, because you can actually get more environmental feedback when you are in the situation, say at home, than in an audiologist office. There is a book, and I'm going to probably not get the name totally correct, but and she might be in this room, Deborah Kendrick has written a book on this. Um, I think it's When You Can't See What I Hear, um, and it covers a lot about dual sensory loss. And I also want to just point out something that I haven't heard mentioned, which is that while hearing aids focus a lot on speech right now, a lot of us also still need to navigate our worlds. And so things like, and the word is escaping me right now, touch technique, getting um, feedback, getting um, feedback from the environment, from our cane, um, just listening to sounds, knowing where doorways are, being able to determine when we're navigating where we are, what's happening in the world. There are um, 
there, there's a lot of work I think that needs to happen there. And then my final comment is that uh, there's a lot of advocacy work that can be done. I'm, I'm relatively new to this, but I would say that the apps in the main are not, they're either partially accessible or not accessible. And manufacturers really don't, for the most part, look at people with dual sensory loss in terms of uh, how they develop controls and how they develop their apps. And so um, I thank SASE for their work, and I hope that you'll continue um, doing this and that we'll see more of these kinds of programs and, and go beyond the sort of basics to the 202 as well. Thanks. Thank you. This is Carol. May I respond? Go ahead, Carol. So I just wanted to say that um, I agree with you. Advocacy is so important and it is so important that the hearing aid industry understands that more and more of their hearing aid users are going to be blind and low vision individuals. And also in terms of speech understanding and hearing aids, you're absolutely right, Lolly. And that's why I was mentioning earlier that sometimes I provide a separate program, which is specifically for mobility, so that all of those noises can come in. And again, it's based on the individual, their hearing aids, and so many variables. But I just wanted to add that. Thank you. Nora Martin. This is really a quick comment, but I think it, rather than a question, but I think it may apply to a lot of you. Medicaid is a combination state and federal program. So it is extremely important that every consumer and or provider check within their own state, whether it's the the Medicaid, the person who manages your Medicaid account that you have to, you know, when you have to requalify or whether it's, um, you know, whether your audiologists have their own network to use. But that's why you get some states that have some coverage and some that don't, because it is a combination of state and federal, which means states do have some discretion beyond the basic general health provision for Medicaid. I just want to thank everyone today for their participation and thank the audiologists today and also the ACB community as well. I know this is a discussion that uh, could go on for another hour or more. There are many, many questions, and I apologize if your questions were not answered in this particular presentation at this time. However, you should continue to seek out those answers. And uh, at this point, I want to turn it back to Erlene Hughes, who will give the closing CEU codes. Erlene? I want to thank our presenters, Carol Hamer, Jacob Smith, Dr. Nancy Massia, Tom Jones and Rosanna Beaudry for an excellent presentation on behalf of BITS. We thank you. And I also want to thank those of you who asked questions. Now I will give the closing CEU code. Six, five, seven, one, four. Repeating. Six, five, seven, one, four. I wish you all a good day, and I hope everyone enjoys the convention. Thank you very much. Thank you all.